0: Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I didn't know I was right, except I knew I was right. But I didn't know that someone would prove that I was right. That there is no doubt about it. It is about control. Now, it got proved in two ways, and sometimes if you just wait long enough, the answer comes to you. The first came from Jen Psaki, who's the White House press secretary, who I gotta tell you, man, she's having a rough go of things. You know it, I know it, she's having a rough go of all the things. The whole idea of, oh, I don't have the answer, I'll have to circle back with you, I'll have to circle back. It's not that she doesn't have the answer, she doesn't know what answer to give. They haven't formulated how they want to give you the answer so they can't give you the answer. And the way they give you the answer is a way that gives them the most amount of cover. Now you can say to me, Tony, that's just politics, and I'll say to you, yes, but they told us they were going to be transparent. And so I'm holding them to their word. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Eight three three got Tony. Eight three three four six eight eight six six nine. No, uh the the concept of control is when they say about vaccinations, yeah that
1: that's nice, but uh, what we're also trying to do is make our health and medical experts available to ensure people understand and i'll reiterate it here today it's not just a vaccine is obviously a, an incredible medical breakthrough um, and we want every american to have one but even after vaccinated uh social distancing wearing masks are going to make, gonna be essential and we'll, we'll we'll need to continue communicating about that through health and medical experts
0: so what do you say to the- so what she's saying is This video, I believe, one of the folks who who owns or runs that store who said he doesn't believe that 450,000 Americans... That was about something else. Sorry, I played the last part there by mistake. No matter what, even if you're vaccinated, still social distancing, still wearing a mask. Why would that be? Well, Tony, it's a smart thing to do. Why would that be? At what moment do we get back to living our lives? And why is it so many people seem opposed to the very idea of living a life? They seem intent on being scared and afraid. If you say to someone after they're vaccinated and you still have to wear a mask, that is about control. Tony, you're being ridiculous. It's about safety and you know it. No, I, 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 I don't believe that to be true. And I don't believe that rational people believe that to be true. I know people who haven't had their kids go to a birthday party. Now, you might have a reason for that. You might have a reason for your kid not being around other kids outside of, let's say, a school, even if then, because you've got older family members who live with you, because you have a job that puts you in sensitive spots and you can't risk having any more exposures than you already have, there could be reasons. But because of those reasons, you make decisions. You make decisions on how you act and how your family does things. Jen Psaki is telling you that the government wants to continue to make decisions as if they ever had the right to before about how you act and what you do. There is nothing more ignorant and foolish than restaurants and bars that say you have to wear the mask when you walk in, but you can take it off when you sit at the table. But you have to put it back on when you're at the table and wear it when you walk to the restroom. But then after the restroom, you can sit back at the table and take it off. That's ignorance. I know places where this is happening. I see it when I walk into a place and I'm like, this is ridiculous. It's embarrassing, it's shameful. Don't you know that we know health departments that you're full of crap? We think you're terrible and we wonder what happened in your life that you couldn't get a job that was worthy. Now I know what you're saying, Tony, are we now anti-health departments? No, actually. I favor health departments. When they're engaged in, well, conversations about health, you know, it turns out if the chicken isn't stored at a certain temperature, you're gonna get people sick. That's the way that one goes. But the idea that the chicken has to be covered before the chicken gets to the table and then uncovered like you're on a cruise ship a la the Love Boat 1978. It was the Love put the 1980s. You know what I mean. Captain Steubing's like, make sure you take care of, of, of the Cats family over there at table six. It's a special time for them. It's ridiculous. Once I've taken off the mask to have the meal, I am subject to what's ever happening in the place. And there is no science at all that says if I'm wearing a mask from the table to the uh, bathroom, that I'm safer. Well, Tony, you're going by other people and they may have the virus, so therefore you're protecting yourself from it. If I chose to do such a thing, I could. I could choose to wear the mask. Telling the restaurant they have to tell customers to wear the mask, and then, and then worse, when the customer doesn't wear the mask, the restaurant gets the fine. The health department seems super happy. Oh, yeah, they're giving out those fines. They're going to make it rain up in this. Who bringing in money like you wouldn't believe. This coronavirus is a cash cow, people. It's twisted. It's an attack on the citizenry. It's diseased, and it's why people despise government or they should in this case, because in this case, the health department isn't doing things to keep people healthy, it's doing things to help control people and there's nothing healthy about that, nothing. The health departments are wrong, the the county health directors are wrong, the state health directors are wrong. And you notice I didn't say they're not wrong by suggesting you wear a mask. They're wrong on this level when they look at a restaurant and say, oh, that person, their mask slid down beneath their nose, there's a fine. That's wrong. That's an obscenity before the Lord. It is abusive. And yes, it's about control. But it wasn't the only thing that showed me about control. It was an interesting bit of data from the guys at, at at Ed Choice and the Morning Consult, Ed Choice, I, they, they were the Milton Friedman guys. Uh, really interesting about about school choice, and it shows that the impact of of coronavirus on homeschooling, and that back in July, forty three percent of people had a much favorable view of homeschooling, and now that number in January of twenty twenty one is eighteen percent. Well, exhaustion may do that to you. It's not easy to homeschool. It takes every day. It takes a commitment to the thing, and a commitment to to your kids. I didn't say it was easy, right? And I'd have to look at more than just this one graph to get an idea of what's going on. And there is a a writer, lawyer, author named Jill uh, Filipovich, F-I-L-I-P-O-V-I-C. And she uh, goes to Twitter and says, it turns out that if you're doing homeschooling right, it is incredibly hard. You can't have another full-time job and you can't do it alone, which really sucks for parents, mothers, who understand their own limits or want to do anything else with their lives. It's a very odd thing to say. Is she making the argument that homeschooling is, is abusive towards women? Right-wing groups, she uh, tweets, love to push homeschooling because it helps keeps kids away from material that might challenge their conservative worldview, and it keeps women out of work and in the home. It's a pretty transparent set of motivations, not good for women or children. Holy cow, homeschooling is handmaid's tale. It's been a while since I've seen this nonsense of an argument. I mean, understand that she's not making an argument that is based in any type of reality. She's making an argument based on stereotyping and hate. She's making a bigoted argument that if you are a woman and you're on the political right and you stay at home, you don't have a job, it's because you're a Stepford wife, right? You would engage in homeschooling because you want your kids being Jesus 24-7 and you don't ever want them exposed to the possible brown person who's going to make change for them at McDonald's. I mean, it's a lot of bigotry she's got going on, wrapped up in here. But she continued with the statement, one that we have addressed here, and a, a thesis that I have been piecing together and, and, and putting together for about two years now. She writes, this is a pet issue of mine, and maybe someday I'll write about it at length. But the whole conversation about homeschooling would go very differently if we believed children had a right to a high quality education or if we believed children had rights at all separate from parents. And with that, maybe I should have warned you to keep your hands on 10 and two because I don't want you driving off the road and I don't want you throwing anything at your desk. When we talk about what's going on with kids and we talk about The idea that we have somebody who wants to be Secretary of Education, and Miguel Miguel Cardona, who's the Commissioner of Education in Connecticut, who believes that boys who think they're girls should be able to run track, for example, that that's acceptable to do to those young girls on that girls' track team. And we have to look out for their civil rights, their civil rights, their children. But when you see that people think that children should be able to decide their own gender and actually take medications for it, that children don't have to tell their parents when they're getting an abortion, that we should lower uh, the voting age, this idea of giving children agency over themselves, in the end, is about separating the parent from the child so the state has more control. And she just told you so. She believes, with her 100,000 followers plus, that we should have children have rights separate from their parents. But we all know as rational people, as culture, and the millennia have taught us that children need parents because they need to understand boundaries, because they need to understand rules, because they need to be nurtured so they can be fully functioning adults. She believes the state can handle that. The parent should be separated out. The parent is only good for having the little bit of good time and then popping out a baby. Right? Women don't need to be mothers. Women are just vessels. Pop them out. There they go. There's another one. That's a sick way to look at women. But she's all sorts of proud of herself. But she's letting you know that everything within the conversation I just had is true. They want children to have agency to determine their own medical future, to determine uh, their own uh, political future at an earlier age and to determine everything without parental involvement. As a matter of fact, the parents should not even exist. It's why they believe that parents shouldn't have a say in education. It should be left to the experts, because parents don't know anything. The further elimination of the parents from the relationship of the child so the state can be in charge. And that is control. This isn't in the ether, guys. This isn't some far-fetched, far-fetched thing, idea, thought. I'm simply listening and watching and observing what it is they say. And this is what they're telling you. And parents are gonna have to ask themselves what they're gonna do about it. And they're gonna have to answer with their vote and with their voice at all costs. I'm Tony Katz. Can someone explain to me the difference between the N95 and the KN95 mask? I think I've got it. But I don't know if I've got it, got it. And and this comes up because of a story out of Indiana. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833, got Tony. Eight three three four six eight eight six six nine. 468 8669 there's a question of where, you know, certain um, bits of PPE, personal protective equipment, where it comes from. And you know me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge believer that you should not buy things um, from, from China. The idea of buying a mask from China to me is, one, is criminally insane of a concept. I'm not paying them for what it is they did. No, I don't think it was unleashed as a bioweapon. That's not my argument. I think it's pretty clear that they experiment on these kinds of viruses. They experiment uh, and and do testing with bats. We we know this for a fact. And I believe that something leaked from the virology lab in Wuhan. Based on the data that we have, do I think that somebody was eating something grotesque in one of these wet markets and that was the issue? I don't actually think that's the case. I think the wet markets are pretty gross. I think you could probably say that about other markets, even here in the United States. But you don't have the situation by which you have a worldwide pandemic because of it. I think this was much more a lab situation. That's what I think ha- has happened here. But I ask about N95 and KN95 masks, and you can let me know on, on Twitter at, uh, at Tony Katz. I still, you know, get tweets. And someone just let me know the difference is the K, right? The difference between the N95 and the KN95 is the letter K. Uh, and uh, that's, that's just a shameful thing to do. Low-hanging fruit. Well, the differences that I found is that the N95 mask is the U.S. standard, and the KN95 mask is the Chinese standard. That the N95 mask has to pass an inspection and certification process from a division of the Centers for Disease Control that's called the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health. But the KN95 gets its approval from the FDA through an emergency authorization for foreign certification as long as it meets the 95% filtration requirement. It seems to me that just based on that, the N95 has a lot more rigorous testing to it than the KN95 because the KN95 has to meet Chinese government requirements and then gets a waiver to be here in the US. Why do I bring all this up? I bring it up because in the state of Indiana, there was a story that 1 million KN95 masks were going to be distributed to schools. People, uh, teachers, and and possibly students, and, and administrators, and others. And I said a million KN95 masks, and the only thing that I could find was this. Was this conversation about um? Well, these are this is a Chinese standard, so now I have to a- 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 ask the question: Is is this? Are these Chinese-made masks? Did the state of Indiana just spend money on a million Chinese-made masks? I don't have the answer. I'm looking for it. Now, I will say, because if the state of Indiana spent money on a million Chinese-made masks, I'm gonna lose my mind, but I'm trying to figure it out. Who would actually give China their money? This is Tony Katz today.
2: Of Rise Up, I'm taking aim at an age old impediment to democracy and civil rights in America the filibuster.
0: All right, that's no way to start something. I apologize. Why should you be immediately subjected to Al Sharpton? You've done nothing wrong, and I consider us friends. All I'm saying, Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833, got Tony 833 468 8669. This is real, what I'm about to share with you. It's Al Sharpton in all his pseudo-intellectual mind on his uh, show on MSNBC discussing how the filibuster is racist. Now, the filibuster is a way of either delaying a vote or preventing a vote and allowing the the. Minority party, as we usually describe this as something in the Senate, uh, giving them uh, an, an opportunity to make their, their case heard, uh, to prevent maybe legislation they don't want. Um, the best way I, could, I can describe it. Well, there's been talk, of course, and there's been talk for years about getting rid of the filibuster. But getting rid of the filibuster and, and to, to go down that road means whoever's in power, 51 votes is all you need, as opposed to needing the 60 votes uh, right, to engage cloture, to stop debate and get to the actual vote where you might only need 51 votes to be victorious. There's been lots of talk about getting rid of the filibuster. The problem is the filibuster is an, an important uh, tool for a group in the minority, and so the belief has always been, well, we're not going to get rid of the filibuster because if we are ever in the minority, then they're not going to have the filibuster and, or not utilize the filibuster, not allow us to use the filibuster, and it's going to be bad news. That's why when when Harry Reid, Senate Majority Leader at the time, went nuclear option regarding the Supreme Court, uh, what Republicans said is you'll regret this one day. And sure enough, they did three times. They regretted it. Al Sharpton on the racism.
2: For those unfamiliar with the term, it's a Senate procedure that allows a minority of just 40 senators to block legislation from coming up for a vote. Even when that bill is supported by a majority, newly demoted Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is a staunch defender of the filibuster, of course. And he issued a warning against its elimination this week there's a lot of hypocrisy to unpack here and i will have much more to say to the minority leader in a segment tomorrow but let's start with the laughable idea
0: what do you think he actually has to say to mitch mcconnell yeah i didn't think there was much there either
2: Listen, there's ever been much Comedy and consent in the Senate the upper chamber likes to portray itself as dignified and respectful But that hasn't always been the case Where for instance was McConnell's call for comedy when President Obama was in office.
0: He's not saying comedy He's talking about comedy C-O-M-I-T-Y a mutual recognition of, of, of Acts and and how uh, people uh, in, in engage in that way an atmosphere of social harmony is how the definition goes. That's what he's referring to. Unity is is the way one could could put that. Of course, there's no unity. He's got no problem with that. Listen,
2: Republicans used and abused the filibuster so much during the last Democratic administration they shattered records, leading the stolid forty fourth commander in chief to make this call for its elimination. As late as last summer at the funeral of the late, great John Lewis. And because GOP senators are from overwhelmingly smaller and whiter states, their threat to filibustering President Biden's entire agenda must be understood for what it is. A white minority standing in the way of progress and equality for the multiracial majority.
0: Damn, that's a bigot. Can we stop pretending? Al Sharpton is a racist. He's a bigot. He's low rent. He is low class. He is low style. Stop listening to this guy. Stop supporting this guy. What the hell MSNBC? We're not, you're not even trying anymore. There's no veneer. It's just raw, unadulterated bigotry. That's what the filibuster is when the Republicans do it. It's just about a white minority trying to keep from progress and blah, 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 blah. Man, I'm not sure there are enough spaces in hell for all these bigots. That's... I mean, that, that's the thinking, and, and, and please, let's, let's not think that this is, you know, simply in, in one spot. The Department of Justice dropped the lawsuit against Yale University. Yale University discriminating against Asian applicants. Now, we've seen Harvard do this, too. They've got too many of them Asians, so they don't let them in. I'm, th- I'm talking like they do. Please don't think that's me. I think that we should actually be engaged in a conversation of, of, of merit. I'll get to merit. That's a little bit of foreshadowing. I'll get to that in a second. So the Biden Justice Department doesn't think that Asian students should be able to sue because they're kept out of universities because of the color of their skin because of maybe the look of their face. That's what they're saying. They're saying those Asian students do too well, we have enough of that kind of student and we can't have proper diversity if we keep letting people in based on how well they do on an SAT score or some other type of, of, of uh, requirement. I mean, that's bigotry. Bigotry is something that we saw most recently when Pete Buttigieg got confirmed as the Secretary of Transportation and people cheered from the rafters, the first gay cabinet member in history. Well, he's not. But they cheered it, the first gay cabinet member in history. He's not. The first openly gay cabinet member in history. He's not. The first openly gay cabinet member confirmed by the Senate in history. Oh, okay, it took you long enough. You saw leftists erase Richard Grinnell, Rick Grinnell, a gay man, acting director of national intelligence, ambassador to Germany, was a member of Trump's cabinet, erased. They erased a gay man because of his politics. And where's Pete judges to say that's not right? Where are these gay groups, where is glad to say that's not right? That that is simply disgusting. Again, more bigotry. Let's move now to the National Museum of African American History. There is a new member of Congress Representative Byron Donalds wrote a letter to the museum and the letter which is signed by Senator Tim Scott and Representative Burgess Owens and Dr. Alveda King, uh, K. Cole Jones, I'm sorry, K. Cole's James, who is the president of the Heritage Foundation, that the museum is a national treasure for our nation's fabric. This is especially true for me as a black American and a Republican, this from Representative Byron Donalds. Clarence Thomas, Associate Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States, is a notable figure in black history and American history, and as as one of only two black men to serve on the nation's highest court. As a black man who has a profound respect for the contributions Justice Thomas has uh, has given for generations to come. This museum must encapsulate his life as it does for hundreds of other monumental black figures. As it stands today, the museum, quote, falls short of representing, quote, his achievements and life compared to his counterpart, the Honorable Justice Thurgood Marshall. Because if you're gay and conservative, as Pete judge and others have shown you, you're not really gay, and if you're black and conservative as the museum is showing you, you're not really black. Think of the horror in this statement. Think of the horror in this email. Representative Byron Donalds has to fight to be seen as a black man by other black men because of his politics. I'm I'm not okay with that. Al Sharpton can't accept that there might be a difference in politics. The only answer for a difference is racism. The bigotry of the left towards people on the political right can happen at any single time and for any reason whatsoever. And the silence is deafening. Of course the museum should have a huge display about Clarence Thomas showing that people who might hold one similar characteristic might think all sorts of different ways. Of course, Pete Buttigieg should have been there front and center to say Rick Grinnell was first, but because he can't, he won't, he's too afraid, he lacks the leadership, he lacks the decency, they will continue to try and erase Rick Grinnell from history. And you don't have to worry about al sharpton of course he doesn't know what he's talking about but as we always say never worry about bigots
1: I'm Fingers Malloy with the Bourbon Minute brought to you by the Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast. And I have good news for bourbon enthusiasts. Wild Turkey is offering virtual bourbon tastings via Alexa and Google Assistant. According to Thrillist.com, in addition to an entry-level whiskey education, Wild Turkey's own father and son master distillers Jimmy and Eddie Russell will walk you through the tasting notes of five of the company's offerings. Wild Turkey 101 bourbon, Wild Turkey 101 Rye, Rare Breed Bourbon, Kentucky Spirit, and Matthew McConaughey's Long Branch. All right, all right, all right. To access the tasting, ask Alexa to enable Wild Turkey Tasting or tell your Google Assistant talk to Wild Turkey Tasting. For more information, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash eat, drink, smoke. This was the Bourbon Minute brought to you by Eat, Drink, Smoke. It's your cigar bourbon foodie radio extravaganza. Check it out on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcast platform, Eat, Drink, Smoke.
0: Donald Trump resigned from the Screen Actors Guild (SAG) aftra as we would say. So SAG is Screen Actors Guild, AFTRA, the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. Now I'm not a member of, of the union. Should I? Should I be a member of AFTRA? Would I? Would it, would it help me with anything? Tony Katz, great to be with you, Tony Katz today. Facebook Tony Katz Radio. Be sure to like the page. He's resigning because the words the rumor was that they were going to um they were going to throw him out they were going to throw him out because of the riots and he violated some whatever it's it's, you know it's nonsense like i know it's nonsense like we all know it's craziness it's just virtue signaling but he wrote a letter he wrote a letter i write to you uh this is to ms uh carteris c-a-r-t-e-r-i-s I, am, I write to you today regarding the so-called disciplinary committee hearing aimed at revoking my union membership. Who cares? That's, that, that's what he wrote. Well, I'm not familiar with your work. I'm very proud of my work on movies such as Home Alone 2, Zoolander, and Wall Street, Money Never Sleeps, and television shows, including The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Saturday Night Live, and, of course, one of the most successful shows in television history, The Apprentice, to name just a few. I also greatly helped the cable news television business, said to be a dying platform with not much time left until I got involved in politics and created thousands of jobs at networks such as MSDNC and fake news CNN, among many others. This is... Please, Ari, double-check and make sure this is real. Of course it's real. (laughs) Which brings me to your blatant attempt at free media attention to distract from your dismal record as a union. Your organization has done little for its members, and nothing for me, besides collecting dues and promoting dangerous un-American policies and ideas, as evident by your massive unemployment rates and lawsuits from celebrated actors who even recorded a video asking, why isn't the union fighting for me? These however are policy failures. Your disciplinary failures are even more egregious. I no longer wish to be associated with your union. As such, this letter is to inform you of my immediate resignation from SAG-AFTRA. You have done nothing for me. Regards, President Donald Trump. Somebody posted on Twitter, this uh, is uh, like uh, looking at George Bush's paintings. This is his art. That's, come on, that's amazing. That is absolutely, positively incredible. Did he say anything that was wrong? Who are these people to to go about this idea that somehow they know best? There's nothing wrong with putting them in their place. Speaking of being put in the place, Yashiro Mori is from the Tokyo Olympic Committee. So the Olympics were gonna happen in 2020, coronavirus, it's now happening in 2021, right? That's what's going on. But he is getting heat because during a meeting, (laughs) he said, if we increase the number of female board members, we have to make sure their speaking time is restricted somewhat. They have difficulty finishing, which is annoying, right? He's making the argument that women speak too much in meetings and they have to be regulated. So now he's apologizing for it, but he's not going to resign. Here's the question. I'm not in many meetings. Do women talk a lot in meetings? I mean, is this, is he talking from his experiences, which I think he's allowed, you know, the richness of his experiences. Isn't that what we're told? I, I don't know. I don't attend many meetings. The people I attend meetings with are professional. We're in, we're out, we're done, we move on. The women I have working for me, we talk about what we need to talk about, we're on to the next thing. I don't have any issues. I was just curious what he's been through. Why aren't we checking what it is that he has had to deal with? And maybe he has had serious issue and we should learn to respect it. I'm not just going to throw him out. I want to know the story. I want to meet these women. Don't you want to meet these women, producer Ari? Leave me out of this. Do you believe that he's right, that women speak too much?
1: No, of course I don't. That's ridiculous.
0: So you've never been in a moment where someone's talking too much and they happen to be a woman? It's purely coincidental. Oh, 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 for you it's coincidental, but he's a a sexist. I kind of. Huh. Well, it's it's always interesting how you project yourself onto other people.
2: This is Tony's cats today.